I don't know about you, but I, I, with our two movies today, I feel like I'm both like bolstered in my confidence about my ability to just decide to make a movie mm-hmm. and also humbled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with our second feature here about, uh, yeah, it's harder than it looks. It's yeah. To make a, a full movie that is followable all the way through. Yeah, it's I, interesting, and I, I cannot make an Instagram live video. I cannot do a TikTok. Yeah, I <laughs> sometimes, as close as I get to filmmaking, is uh, sometimes I accidentally open the the face facing camera on my phone, <laughs> which is always shocking. It's like a picture of Dorian it's Gray moment. A jump scare. <laughs> every time, yeah, every time it happens. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> oh, Who's that monster in this mm-hmm. mirror? Sam. Hello, everyone else out there listening to this. Welcome to the Screaming Room, the Ooh. only horror movie podcast. Are you saying woo because I'm getting woo my woos in already? Your woos warmed up for the first movie. <laughs> uh, before we get into our films, uh, I don't really have any news that I that I set up for this episode. Uh, if you listen to our last episode, you'll know that we are taking a break from the Saw franchise out of solidarity with the SAG-AFTRA strike. So until the AMPTP and SAG-AFTRA reach an equitable agreement and the strike action is declared over by SAG-AFTRA, we are not. We are doing our best to not cover new movies or discuss them at all. So. That's why we're not doing the Saw franchise anymore. Yeah. So, uh, I know the WGA has re-entered negotiations with the AMPTP this week. Okay. So, uh, best of luck. I am, I am hoping, of course, that something equitable, productive, and in good faith happens during those meetings. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's been a... Uh, it's taken a lot of solidarity and a lot of effort from the people on the ground to 
get to this point. Like we know from yeah. early on, like you and I have talked about this, like early on in these, neg- in these negotiations, like there was like that leaked conversation or whatever from a member of the AMPDP or whatever, where they're talking about starving people. Yep. Until like, they lose their homes, getting them to lose their homes because mm-hmm. they're on strike. And then, you know, bringing them to heal like a fucking Ugh. cur. Like it's, Ugh. it's, it's gross. So, uh, let's get into it. Uh, did we, <laughs> let's get into this episode. <laughs> Let me hard pivot here. Is there anything you watched this week that you want to talk about? Uh, you know, not particularly. I've, I've watched a bunch of kind of just stuff. I don't know that I don't necessarily <laughs> want to mention. I'm, I'm a little hesitant to talk about some stuff that I've watched just cause I, I mean, all these streaming platforms just get so much, you know, uh, yeah. publicity and people are using them. So people are watching stuff. So it's not like, you know, that's going to really do anything, but I don't know. I, I, I've, you know, I dove into some television shows that I hadn't, uh, sought out before, but yeah. 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 We, we discourage anyone from going to a streaming platform right now. <laughs> Physical media only. Uh, yeah, which that's is kind of, what I'm trying to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched a uh, certain superhero comic book adjacent film that we mm. both really like, which is rare for us. It's oh, one yeah, that we've gotten yeah. drunk to uh, <laughs> a number of times, uh-huh. and I had a good time, so... Uh, put your guesses in the comments, but I'm not going to put it in the episode. Um, I, I just thought of something really quick. I think scarecrow video is hosting like a, like a lecture or a, um, a discussion of, of some kind where they're going to be talking about, I think they're talking about four movies that aren't available to stream. And they're talking specifically about like the importance of physical media. One of them was Heavenly Creatures. Ooh. I think they're actually going to be talking about Crossroads, which oh, is going to be back in theaters. You just texted me about that today. I'm mm-hmm, super excited. Mm-hmm. And then oh, there's a couple more on that list. I kind of forget. But um, it looks fun. I, it's, it's great. There needs to be more, yeah, just appreciation and love of physical media so that stuff that isn't going to be licensed and put on streaming sites can be can be viewed and Hell loved. Yeah. And Something that I don't think we've talked about yet, but I just found out. Uh, uh, I'll I'll say this for the listeners: if you don't know, Scarecrow Video has one of the largest physical media collections in the United States. Uh, they operate as a five hundred one three C. They are doing a public service. Mm-hmm. They have been operating as a video rental store for decades. They are literally part of the reason why I moved to Seattle at all. (laughs) (laughs) And just, I believe, in the last week or two, or I I I don't know, it's really recent, uh, they revamped their website and they started a rental by mail service. Oh, cool. So it's... It's it's a limited part of their selection, so you can't sure. get like laser the rare discs or out of print VHS. shit yes. that you need like a hundred dollar deposit for. <laughs> yes, so a lot of their movies are RBA, which is rental by approval. You have mm-hmm. to put a deposit down because it's it's just not. Yeah, something. it might be one of the last few copies of it. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you can now rent up to I believe six discs at a time. Great, uh, and yeah, anywhere in the country. So hell yeah. 
Yeah, God, that's that's amazing. They've been they've been talking about getting into that for a while. I think they've even talked about trying to get into more of an archival project where yeah. they're digitizing things and like oh, that mean, would be they, amazing. If, I mean, if they did like a streaming service where it's like this is the VHS version of this movie. This mm-hmm. is the laser disc version mm-hmm. of this movie with these other features. Oh. Like, I would die. Yeah, I mean. Metaphorically. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't literally kill me. <laughs> I mean, that might, that's kind of a good, I think, segue of like talking about our shot on video movies here of just like how Great. short of a lifespan tapes have just the deterioration of playing them over and over again, the dust, whatever sort of yeah. shit that gets in there. It's, it's hard to keep the the quality of the of the video as it is and it's yeah it's great that yeah there's so many different organizations that are working on digitizing and archiving and shit it's yeah we need that <laughs> yeah and even a lot of the ones that we know about um like severin vinegar syndrome uh and the rest synapse mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh code red things like that well code red i think is not active at the moment but like they they often are restoring things from like 35 millimeter prints like and sourcing those things is like so so difficult yeah um and that is uh that that difficulty is even present in like preserving a lot of these shot on video movies like we're going to talk about two of them today and uh the first one is on uh a label known as intervision and intervision is a sub label of severin films I believe. Cool. Uh, and they, uh, we have a couple of their other releases on the table, uh, <laughs> which I would say are uh, notoriously challenging uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> to get through. <laughs> uh, but the thing I like about um, the shot on video kind of era is it's like this, this first feeling in like the production of films where like, you feel like you're getting a an individual that just loves movies and wants to make one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I th- I think that is the the appeal for a lot of shot on video fans. So the, so if you don't know, uh, we're gonna say SOV probably a mm-hmm. lot mm-hmm. today. Uh, like we've said, that's shot on video, <laughs> and it's exactly what it sounds like. It emerges in the early '80s. We're gonna talk about the one of the first entries uh, in this, what what became a genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the first time that people were able to put just a fucking VHS in a handheld camcorder, essentially. Yeah. And uh, make a movie with their friends uh, who all work out at the same gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the case of our first movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I feel like it, like it's such a it's a huge shift in I mean just technology in general but also the filmmaking world because before that you know filmmaking was really left to more wealthy people of like having the ability so to expensive. buy the equipment and just film too like the cost of film is so expensive because before uh these magnetic tapes like VHS tapes 
like the cheaper option would be shooting on 16 millimeter. Yeah. Which like has a lot of, I mean, it's expensive still mm-hmm. and it has a lot of constraints with it that like, you know, a first time producer, director, writer, like uh, might not have an easy time dealing yeah. with like, but with like VHS technology, it's like a lot more immediate like you can see what you're getting like yeah. a lot quicker. It's that and, very and you you can even record over the fucking yeah thing. yeah. <laughs> it's so pliable and flexible and like I mean to an extent, but like and it's just all right there in your hand and yeah, you don't need you know huge rigs and huge devices to do it you can just literally put it over your shoulder and walk around and film your friends doing stuff this new panasonic vhs home video recording system does more than record tv indoors because it's portable you can use it with a panasonic color tv camera to record life outdoors say you can see what you taped instantly instant replay instant replay Hey, I want to see those pictures. Panasonic Portable VHS. It records TV and it records life. Panasonic. Yeah, yeah. And it 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 wasn't until basically like a pretty recent time that that changed. Yeah. Significantly, like once you get into like digital video, like even like uh, like I love. Uh, Agnes Varda, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I love that she got really obsessed with like mini DV. Yeah, like, really early on, she embraced this ability to like hold something in one of her hands and just walk around and like explore her normal fixations, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. like this type of thing. And then cell phones, and then more sophisticated digital digital video cameras like come along and. Uh, like the real inflection point, like the real starting point of that accessibility to the degree that it's accessible, uh, kind of starts in my mind with not just 16 millimeter, but in this era of like, yeah. Shot on video. Yeah. Films. It, it reminds me of when, uh, still cameras, still photo film cameras, when that sort of, they merged from the like big boxy things into this something that you could hold in one hand and, and people at home, just anybody could just buy it and load it with film and take pictures. It wasn't like, Oh, you had to be an artiste. You had to go to school and get whatever degrees or stuff and then have the funding for that and be a filmmaker. It's like, no, I just, I want this for, I mean, whatever reason. I mean, there's so many different reasons that people did get, cameras and camcorders in general a lot of cameras it's like yeah home family memories i'm taking photos of my kids at christmas i'm taking a video of my you know wife on our anniversary or something like that and it's uh it's just so it it feels more domesticated or something like that that ability for it to just be like in anybody's kind of hand and like yeah do whatever with it that's that's an amazing uh thing to add because like the as, as these technologies get like more accessible in terms of their their cost and the processes that go into like delivering you a final image or final moving image like it it's really interesting to me to it and i'm assuming to you as well to mm-hmm. see the ways in which people like want to use that to see themselves like, yeah like preserve the things around them like yeah it's almost uh 
diaristic mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh yeah about preserving a moment in time and the people around you it's it's a very social utility that i think a lot of these technologies have yeah and like that's something that i find to be very almost uh inspiring and mm-hmm. noble about the people that use those technologies to make narrative features uh even if they can be objectively assessed as being bad movies yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like, like I, would, I would rather watch a even a mid-tier shot on video horror movie from the 80s than like and if you don't like this statement fuck you then <laughs> Any Marvel movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, because they bring me so much joy. Like, I can see another person basically on the other side of that lens, like, saying, this is my intention. This is what I want to do. Like, yeah. I, I am driven to make this. Like, it's not the market making me do this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, like, my job to produce a film for a studio because they have a marketing cycle and because there's an empty screen out there that needs to be filled. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's because someone loves it. Yeah. And, and you they want to say something. You can feel the, the artistic voice and see it, I think, more obviously in these kinds of movies than something like a Marvel thing where it's just... 100%. God, there's just so much. Even like Chloe Zhao like, uh, making her Marvel movie, like mm-hmm. coming off of a couple of uh, very well-directed features. Mm-hmm. Uh, which had some issues, but that's not what I'm getting into right yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, like it. It felt like it. It wasn't necessary to hire someone who has this sort of auteur reputation. Yeah, to make a Marvel movie because they're like, I think it's a little bit too dismissive to say that those movies are made by committee. But I think that's kind of close yeah i, I think yeah. that's pretty close. there's a lot of voices that go into making yes. those movies of like yeah. this is what yeah. we want and this is what we need yeah please give that to us yeah and uh it's unfortunate that a lot of uh one of my well we're getting into one of my crank topics that i love <laughs> to bring up is i fucking hate copyright law uh-huh. i hate it so much because all it does is creates ip which can be commodified and copyright law does nothing to protect individual creators. That's not what it's for. No. I mean, it's about creating a commodity. Yes. And I would rather that all went away. So every state in this country could have like 10 obsessed weirdos in each state making their own fucking Spider-Man movie. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I just learned that. I mean, I don't know how this is probably true, but the you know like disney will do these live action remakes every like 5 or so years and it's literally like no cuz they just want to reinvigorate or re reactivate that copyright Replenish law that they the have yeah they're like i mean nope, that's something that people ours. say about the hellraiser franchise i i actually don't know how true that is all yeah i i think with disney like they went through the era of doing the they did uh, something we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of direct-to-video releases, like yes. in the original uh, Eisner CEO era, mm-hmm. uh, where he was like, no, just crank 
sequels out. Just put them direct yep. to video. We can skip all this theatrical bullshit. We don't have to do the marketing. Yep. People are going to buy it. They're going to buy it for their kids at home. And he was right. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was right. They they made a lot of money doing that. Um, whether or not those films are interesting. Not n- yeah. not the scope of the show, but we no. are going to be talking about some direct-to-video <laughs> trash today. Lovely films. Today. Oh my god, so excited! So let let's kind of get into it. So I actually uh, am not, as I say this, uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure if there's a trailer for our first film. Okay, let me reset here. We watched two films from the beginning of the shot on video era. We watched the first horror movie shot on video that was released directly uh, to videotape for home consumption. Sledgehammer is the name of the movie from 1983. Hit that trailer. Now we're going to have some real fun. Hey, an orgy. All right, that's what we're waiting for. You fool that you have. Hey, let's get started. Put your shit oh, on. Yeah, quiet, oh, quiet. I'm talking about a seance. No, Chuck, no! Sledgehammer. Shot in 1983, around the Los Angeles era, area. It's all in Simi Valley. Okay. I believe. So just a suburb just outside of Los Angeles, kind of north. Gotcha. Yeah. And then I think there's a a little bit of footage from uh, Venice Beach. Right. I mean, because this mostly takes place in one One cabin house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a synopsis down for us today, but uh, <laughs> can I put you on the spot? Do you want to describe what sure. this movie is? Okay, go for it. A group of party going, party having friends arrive at this house for the weekend and they are visited by someone who may or may not be real, might be paranormal they learn that it is paranormal. It's a ghost of a child who was abused by their parents, mother specifically. And the, the ghost is sort of wreaking havoc on them with a sledgehammer. I think that's about right. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. I, I brought the cats is with us to Summit Studio, and glass? one of them just carried over a big shard of glass in his mouth. Oh, my God. Buddy, I got to stop bringing them. <laughs> <I can't. laughs> we can't make it this far. We can't make it past the synopsis in the episode without the cats Are you breaking like, bottles of liquids and marbles and shit on well, your floor? Well, on the, on the weekends, we sublet this place as a rage room. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, you nailed the, the, the setup of Sledgehammer. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty much a straight 
straightforward, more or less, it, uh, slasher movie. Yeah. Like, friends in a cabin mm-hmm. type thing. I I find this movie so endearing. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's wildly repetitive. It, yes. It, it has one kind of interesting angle on the... Uh, the slasher genre where it's like, no, we're going to, we're going to set up something as being supernatural, mm-hmm. like, like pretty early on, like they have zero budget. These are actors. No, excuse me. I take that back. These are not <laughs> actors <laughs> uh, who are just, they, they feel like friends of the director. Uh, one yeah, of the lead guys yeah. is his brother. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and the they're, hunk. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're all like needy they, hunks. Right. They like all, all the guys. <laughs> He's the one with his shirt off for the most, most of the time. Yes. Uh, I, I, I could not tell you a single character's name in this movie. <laughs> I was uh, starting to identify them by their shirt color. Like, well, yeah, way. I had a moment where I was like, this feels like that Denny or Danny in the room oh, God. where one of the characters name is. I finally realized that I think her name is Joni, but I kept hearing hearing Jody or Joy or Jenny. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's Joni. Like Joni loves Chachi. I can't remember. Jody what loves Chachi. Judge, I don't know. You? That's not a joke. <laughs> Isn't that uh Joni loves Chachi. Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. Mine yeah. was not a joke. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do have Joey question mark written in here at one point. <laughs> yeah. So these friends, uh it's uh seven of them or something like that. Too many. <laughs> it's too many. I think there it might not be seven because I think it's like all pairs of like couples yeah. who are either who are in like different stages of coupledom where they're either fighting or they're on the outs or they're trying to get back together or things are going fine. Yeah. Uh they arrive in a big van together uh with their one cooler of beer and apparently they're like fifty miles into the woods. <laughs> and uh we know from the beginning of this movie, the intro to this movie and the seance scene, like halfway through it, uh, that a little boy was abused by being locked in a closet. Uh, so his mother could have sex with yeah. a man. <laughs> Isn't that fucked up? Isn't that just so fucked? <laughs> I took care of that little brat. <laughs> And if you uh, walk in late to this movie, don't worry about missing the opening scene because you will see it again in yep. its entirety. They bring it up but again. Sepia toned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, while the mother in this opening scene is sucking off her liaison, oh, yeah. He gets a sledgehammer to the back of the head, which he is gets, apparently the boy. Gets it to the dome so while he's he getting some dome. Twice. Domed down. Yeah. Double domed. Double dome down. <laughs> so later in this so the rest of the movie, like, we're not gonna go beat by beat through this. There's no point. Yeah. It, like this is a full this is a fucking vibes yeah. movie. Oh yeah. Like it's it's all about the feeling of the whole fucking thing. Uh the does the boy it's unclear. Does he he doesn't die on screen? Because he no. is the it it's a ghost that's it is killing a ghost. One later. of the characters but he did become a man. I think he's it's just sort of a ghost thing. Like he can put himself in the shoes of an adult 
versus a boy because he did die as a boy. Because one of the did he? yeah one of the um, one of the friends unlocks that closet and they open it up and they find I'm pretty sure his dead body like laying on the floor. Is this the cobwebby thing? I think so. It's supposed to be like a skeleton. And so he is, you know, he is a boy, but he's able to like manifest manifest himself as an adult man. But then they also see a him huge, at the end, I mean, like shrink down to a boy. Yeah, he's a huge guy. He's gigantic. That guy he's in like real life is tall. yeah, he's ginormous, so tall. Especially you see him standing next to any of the other actors well, in this. That's like, wild too. Like fuck? like all the like none of the men in this movie that are like confronting this guy are like diminutive in any manner no, yeah they're like they're complete complete beefcakes oh yeah like and one of them especially the bearded guy is like uh-huh. a little bit taller yeah and he houses he's, a whole sandwich in like one I go hate oh it's so gross but it's pretty funny <laughs> I hate it. And the corniest food fight that follows. Yeah. So w- w- in the in the first half of this movie, and correct me if I'm wrong here, please. Uh, most of what happens is like these these friends unload their van. They bring <laughs> they unload shit, the van one item at a time. Literally one item at a time. They <laughs> throw it into a pile next to the van, uh-huh. and then they carry those items one item one at a time, time into in, the house. Yeah. Uh, but most of their their plan for the weekend or. Like at some point, someone says they've been there for days. I don't know how long they're supposed <laughs> to be there. Like, uh, most of what they do is sit around in a room while all the couples kind of like rub on each other, and then they all go There's a lot of like play fight flirting happening. Yeah, like, yeah. There's a funny moment between I the woman who is interested in the the big redheaded bearded guy and she's looking over at this other guy who's got like a cowboy hat on and he's doing something. I can't remember what he does. He does something like he he opens the bottle with his teeth or something. It's not even like that, but it's something small like that and she just goes that's what a real man looks like. And then the red bearded guy gets up, like stands up and grabs that guy's cowboy hat and like pretends to like make out with the guy. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you want a real man? Now that's a real man. You want a real man? You can ride side saddle in my horse the any day snookum. <laughs> It's really weird. It's it, like there's both some of these fun, movies like, today have some gay stuff in them. Yeah, homoerotic like stuff. So yeah, than, yeah, absolutely. The next one, <laughs> of course. It it it's really weird. Like they're all like intensely like clowning on each other. Like it's like a fraternity like initiation. Yeah, type yeah. Thing. Like the like you mentioned the sandwich eating scene where it's like literally everyone sitting around a table for dinner. And uh, one guy eats an entire sandwich just so fast. Yeah, and they're and all everyone's going, like, go, yeah, go, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like they do that every day for days, for days, for days. Um, 
but in terms of this being a, I, I mean, that kind of fits with uh, like the slasher kind of structure. Like it's people like yeah. doing stupid shit. Yeah, they're all partying. Each other. They're, they're getting one messy. The, one of the friends plays a joke by uh, surprising one of the women when he uh, fakes his own hanging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and when she, uh, this was actually one of the funniest lines in the movie. Uh, she of course like screams when she opens the shower curtain or whatever. And he says, boo. Yeah. Boo. And he says, I couldn't think of anything else to say. Well, you don't <laughs> say anything. Good. You're supposed to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I, I, I didn't want to say woo again. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a boo. I also, the party scenes, anytime they're all like all hanging out together. I was severely confused about who was who gender wise like they're all they've all got the same like 80s like androgynous haircut where it's sort of sure longish short kind of feathered they've all got very similar outfits on aside from the guy who's like shirtless but like all the other women have like sort of these polo kind of shirts with stripes and they're all, all the shorts are like the same length and so every now and then like one of the characters would grab another character and i was just like oh what's going on and then they start making out i was like oh and i'm like oh okay like it's not like there's nobody that's like gay in this movie, but I kept expecting like, Oh, maybe they're gay. And then I'm like, Oh no, that's, that's a woman. <laughs> it's fine. It's just like, it's who pretty, is that? It, it's, it's a pretty hetero movie all around. Yeah. Which is fine. If that's your thing. Great. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean the other big thing in this movie that kind of fits with, I mean, maybe it doesn't quite fit with the slasher genre, but it makes it, it places it more in a horror context is the seance scene. Yeah. Yeah. Which happens maybe even halfway through the movie. Like for a slasher movie, it's like, it's a pretty long ramp up. Yeah. Well, there's a movie that's like 80 minutes long, 87 minutes if you count the credits at the end. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's such long establishing shots. So oh, it will so hold funny. on like the window or the house from outside. The opening shot is yeah, hilarious. It's so long. It's just like, oh, you're still, it's still just holding on it. Loud, the loudest birds I've yeah. ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very clear, like we've said earlier, like they're not in the middle of the woods. Like they are just in a desert valley. You can like yeah. see the hills behind them. There's yeah. no trees around. Mm-hmm. They pull right up. Yeah. In their stupid 80s van. In their stupid 80s van. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't that... It's not even their van. Isn't that like a driver? Doesn't he, like, drive away? Uh, Actually, that's kind of confusing to me because when they get out of the van, like, they, they do the work of establishing that they can't just get in the car and go, even though it never comes up in the movie. Yeah. But the guy that's driving the van says something like, I'll take this into town and have it running in tip top shape, like in no time or something like this. Bizarre. Cause they just drove it there. I guess maybe, maybe. Yeah. That's weird. So they're going to have the garage mechanic drive them out there and then take it back to fix it. So it's in tip top shape. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that is correct. Uh, so but the seance, the seance, the seance scene is fake. It's a fake seance. The, mm-hmm. uh, the actor, Ted Pryor, who's the brother of the director is like leading the seance. And <laughs> everyone in this house is very stupid. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> because there's one person that's not there 
uh, and Ooh. no one remarks on it, and it's because he's in the other room, like playing these like ghostly like responses Record- that he yeah. pre-recorded <laughs> onto a cassette tape that he's playing in a boombox, and then he's like using a dimmer switch to like distort the voice. Uh, yeah, or is I'd, he doing the light? No, the I'd, lights are the off. The lights are just off. I was confused by the dimmer switch. There. Yeah. John. Me. Me. I loved this setup because that guy, I think he is Joey. Joey gets up like right after the, the main guy, Ted Pryor. I can't remember what his character's name is, but he's starting the seance or he, he like, Joey says like, are you ready? And the guy who, the Ted, whoever that character is, um, says, yeah. And then Joey like, leaves the room and walks away and then they start their seance and everybody's just like, what's going on? Oh my God. Like, well, your buddy just left. See, when he walks out of the room, that's the last time they think about him at all until they uh, discover his corpse, maybe yeah. like a, two days later. I yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's unclear. I fucking loved his death. He, it's pretty uh, good. He gets stabbed through the neck and then the killer, because the, whatever he stabbed him with goes all the way through his neck. And so he uses the knife or whatever sharp object on both sides of the guy's neck to drag him out of the room. It's, it's awesome. So mean. Oh, it's it, oh, like, Oh yeah. Like that was like actually a, a like pretty well done like effect. And it, it, it like really spoke to kind of like the spirit that this movie is, it is trying to get into. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's also it's it's just so fucking funny that well one there's no blood on the carpet when they find the boom box the boom box later yeah and uh, after the seance when everyone comes down they have another party where they all sit around going woo at each other yeah and no one's like <laughs> where's, where's Joey, Joey? <laughs> 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 it's it's so funny oh my it's God. not a big house either like yeah it's like, not <laughs> it's not oh a labyrinthine thing. You never go down to a basement. You never go up to an attic. Yeah. It's just all this single level, like, room. Like, the first story yep. room. It's like the, lev- the living room, maybe the kitchen, and maybe some other, the bathroom <laughs> that we see. We do see the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank God. It was very grounding to see the bathroom. Otherwise, this movie <laughs> would be totally unbelievable. <laughs> If you feel like you're not going to get totally turned off by a shot on video film from 1983, like check this out. It's so fun. It's, it's so fun. Like, it's like there's so, so many like really goofy slow mo motion uh, moments, and there's like a fun like one of the last there's like, a chase lot of scenes. slow motion in this. <laughs> yeah, they probably did that to extend the time, especially yes. with those the long establishing shots. I think this too. movie's about like if you tweak the playback speed like so it goes back to regular speed instead of slow motion, it's probably sixty minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> like, as yeah. a movie. But yeah, there's like a really fun chase scene towards the end where the killer is chasing them through the house, and he's like we said, he's like seven foot tall, and he's got one of those like really fucking eerie masks on from 
Those, I don't know. Oh, it, it reminded from me like of the seventies. Uh, Alice, sweet Alice. Yeah, it's that like clear it's, plastic yeah. with like a little bit of like makeup over you know where you would have makeup on your face and actually it was a pretty good so, choice it yeah was, it was pretty effective it's really creepy i what do you what do you think this movie felt like if you like walked into a video store like you don't know what direct-to-video horror is and you just <laughs> picked up sledgehammer do you think in 1983 like <laughs> like my dad or your dad like your parents <laughs> or whatever like <laughs> Going into their local video store and like picking this up, what was that feeling like? I I mean, that must have felt like, or especially when you, if you were to pick this one out and take it home and watch it, it would have felt like you were watching like your neighbors or something, yeah, or like your family <laughs> members like do something. I mean, my brother and I used to make goofy home videos of just stupid shit, like we're following our cats around or whatever. But like we'd have like you know weird characters and stuff like that and then you rewatch it and it's just so like it's so like personal and like intimate and that's so interesting about this format and this sort of the quality of the video of it's soft and it also like requires a lot of light yeah and then there's just this i mean you can't help but see like videos like this i'm like these are like our, our home videos this is like i mean there's even in the next movie there's a moment where they go somewhere that is very relatable. I'm like, Oh, we have videos of us going to this place. Like it's, it's, it's such an interesting aesthetic of like feeling like it is more like personal, almost like you shouldn't be seeing this because it feels like it's, and also just that handheld quality. Like there's no stabilizing shots. There's no, or, or, um, steady cam. Steady cam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's you can tell that someone is carrying this camera around and so it is fascinating to see that kind of quality of what feels like it could be found footage but it's not because it's you know it's got such corny yeah. acting well and 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 like this movie really toes the line like this director david pryor went on to make a number of other films like at, he gets a little bit more craft experience mm-hmm. under his belt, certainly. And like this toes the line with being like between like being found footage and being a non found footage movie. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like, I think that's a byproduct of the seams kind of being really visible or like fraying a little bit in terms of how this is put together. Not, not, not to its fault. Like it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really endearing to see, uh, just kind of something where someone want, like we said at the top of this, like wants to make a movie. They want to do this thing. They worked really hard. Mm-hmm. And like it, the, the visual language is not very sophisticated, even though they're making a lot of like really deliberate, choices yeah yeah throughout it which is something that weirdly makes it relatable yeah oh yeah like you said it could be like your neighbors yeah it feels making something like like it feels within reach of something that we could do yeah that anybody could do because it is like you already have like probably the most expensive piece of what you need to make a movie you have a camera and you have a tape that you can record and re-record over as many times as it can handle and yeah and it sometimes just, the static comes in on the tape yeah, too, or I, like the the edges uh, of this movie. I love like you can see, shit. like it's the little, like it's a little bit off. Like it's yeah, yeah. it's yeah. great. It yeah. just it 
it also feels just so much more, um, yeah, like physical, like something gritty that you can really hold. Yeah, definitely. I love that it's it's basically like a it's a a media and a genre that it's like you make the best with what you have right yeah. in front of you and and you can make really fun stuff. Yeah. And I think uh I think they did a good job on this one. I I yeah. mean my my review can I read you my review on yeah, the box? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, let me drink my tea here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sledgehammer, 1983. I love this shit. (laughs) Period. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) I I just had a great time with it. So. Oh yeah, me too. It's Uh, the music was fun and. (laughs) (laughs) You mean the note? The the like the movie the single note that was played. (laughs) It was never. There was no melody, no uh, harmony. It was just. Final things I don't want to miss. Uh, near the end of the uh, the movie, as the character is getting dwindled down, uh, Ted Pryor, who plays the lead, uh, I guess, because yeah. everyone else is yeah. kind of dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a really hilarious part where the ghost boy slaps him in the face. <laughs> uh, there's also a really hilarious like moment where he kind of disappears, where kind of our final girl... He kind of drops out of the movie for a little while while the final girl kind of has her chase with the killer. Mm-hmm. And then when he comes back in the movie, he's shirtless uh, for some reason. There's no reason. <laughs> uh, uh, but that's mostly it, aside from my factoids that I'm going to save. Do you have anything else from this movie that you wanted to bring up in particular? Um, I loved one of the slow-mo, one of the many slow-mo moments is with um, the shirtless character walking with his, I think it's Joni. Um, and who she is. They are, she, maybe she was the final girl. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) But they're walking and there's a moment in this slow-mo sequence where he tries to balance a beer can on her head (laughs) and it's just like so goofy and it falls off and it's just this sort of like the music is so corny and it's supposed to be this like really sweet, sentimental, like cute moment. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just, I love it. So, uh, Ted Pryor, not long after this movie was made, was, uh, or maybe actually this was at the time this movie came out. He was a Chippendales dancer. He at one point won Mr. Teen Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> Great. He was also named uh, Playgirls Man of the Month. Hell yeah! He was on the cover of Playgirl. He's ripped. He looks good. Yeah, he does. Yeah, like a, a lot of a lot of the men in this movie are like clearly like in the eighties, like men's fitness. Yeah, or like uh, that that sort of gym culture revolution. Yeah, that beefcake kind of yeah. aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, also, the uh, the director David Pryor does something that uh, we love, especially when Tommy Wiseau does it. In the credits of the film, he makes up names. Oh, yeah. To hide the fact that it was him 
doing that job and make the movie seem a little more expensive, which if it, I, I don't know why you would decide to do that at the end of this movie. Yeah. Because you are, you are not going to fool anyone. Yeah. My friend, but two of the funny names that I written that I wrote down are, uh, edited by, Ralph Cutter. Ralph Cutter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very, very funny. Uh, did you catch the lighting director? I did not. Michael Watt. <laughs> Supposedly, the, the person that's listed as doing the music is actually the, the just the director. And the music name was listed as Philip G. Slate. Phil- Slate, like a... Yeah. Uh, I think his brother did actually do the uh, a lot of the guitar stuff that's in the beginning. We do get a shot Fun. of him playing the guitar. Yeah. Uh, so, I love this shit. Uh, I wish it was not totally inaccessible for me to buy a copy of this VHS on eBay because... Oh, God. I, they, how much are they? They... Uh, I didn't totally, like do my research about what's the difference between the versions and which ones came out. But the cheapest one was $90. Oh, and the, one of the most recent ones sold on eBay was uh, 450. Holy shit. Yeah. It's wow. It's wild. So Ooh. I mean, it's, it's, it's no joke to say that this, this movie is like a legitimate inflection point in the genre and yeah. in American independent cinema. Yeah. Like, like it is like it, it might be, it might sound like really corny to, to phrase it that way. Or like, I might be overstating it, but that's, that's, that's I, what yeah. it is. I think, yeah, like, this is like, like that fucking French cafe playing train arriving at station. People are like, Oh my God, a train's about to oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it, it's that it has that type of position and, uh, it's, uh, it's really fucking commendable for it. I think David Pryor, like the way this got made was like, he basically placed a, some sort of ad in a trade magazine about what he wanted to do. He found someone to like fund it and he's mm-hmm. like, you can get 10 grand. He's like, great, we'll do it. Can't afford film. How about tape? No, like, How about tape? Do it. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, history was made fuck yeah thumbs up for me hell yeah okay let's move on to a more sophisticated filmic language (laughs) in blonde death from 1984 straight to video hit that trailer testing one, two, three. Hi, this is me, Tammy Lynn Bieberdorf, and these are my memoirs, in case we don't get out of here alive. I guess you know who I am by now since my name is all over the TV. But since everything they're saying about us is a pack of lies, I'd like to take this chance to set the record straight. She's a real genuine, three-dimensional human being. Sure is hot tonight. 
I think we made it. <laughs> I think we made it. Yeah. Blonde death. Holy shit. You know, I had not heard of this movie until we started doing research about uh, things we could watch that weren't covered by the SAG-AFTRA contracts, things like that. Uh, And, you know, it might sound cynical to say, but thank God yeah, this happened I, because what a fucking treasure this movie I'm was. I'm so excited to have watched <laughs> this. It's it's a gem. Like, I mean, I think it was. At, I think this one is at the top of that bleeding skulls list that so I was. That was one of the the sources we went to. If you don't know, uh, Bleeding Skull is a uh, an online publication that does mostly shot on video things. It's like. They're focused on uh, outre, outsider art like, mm-hmm. uh, type of stuff. And they have been doing their work for decades now. They they are really commendable. Like right behind you, I have their 80s and 90s compendium of, uh, of films that I believe are all or predominantly shot on video. Cool. Uh, they are fucking cool. So... This is an official shout out for yeah. <laughs> for the work that Bleeding Skull does because it's really essential to like keeping track of of this of, of this genre like yeah. it's archivist yeah. work that they do like like it's something that's always been really under analyzed under discussed uh, a huge book for me is Stephen Thrower's book Nightmare USA which is a shockingly dense analysis of deeply independent American cinema. Cool. <laughs> like people that never work out of their like tri-state area. Mm-hmm. Like, like they, they just live and work where they're at and they're deeply committed to their craft and there's no broad distribution for it. And even today, like a lot of these films that, you know, like bleeding skull covers, like, uh, it's it's really really hard to source physical copies of this stuff or to legally find yeah <laughs> versions of them digitally. Uh-huh. Uh, so something about shot on video stuff that I think is really important is that it's an essential part of American culture mm-hmm. and uh, American cinematic culture specifically. And uh, holy fucking shit. Uh, what a diamond in the rough we just watched with yeah. Blonde Death. Uh, I don't know how to describe this movie. <laughs> it, Do you want to take a crack? It, it feels like so many different things, but I mean, I think you and I immediately picked up on how much of an influence John Waters must have had on this person. A thousand percent. Um, because it's just this sort of it it starts off in the suburbs of what's supposed to be a typical family, but then we learn that it's another, th- su- this is another Southern California story. Yes, yeah. Uh, there's it, it. It just sort of subverts a lot of that. Of I mean, what John Waters loves to do, do it, you know, show sort of domesticated suburban 
families being sort of in, interrupted or infiltrated by the degenerate sort of just scum from the streets. Yeah. yeah. And it's that like, uh, that, that, that cultural trauma of like the Manson. Yeah. Like the, the Tate LeBianca murders. Absolutely. Like, that culturally ended the sixties. So this idealism, like being disruptive, disrupted mm-hmm. and like that sort of anxiety even bleeds into the eighties as like suburbanization like really takes off and yeah. was really taking off at the time that this movie was made. Yeah. And so there's, there's a, a I mean, there's a couple of things going on of the, our main character, Tammy is the daughter of two abusive people. Yeah. She wants to get out. We learn that her parents or step parents are also trying to kill her because they hate her. Yeah, it's maybe for some money. Her stepmother. It's her stepmother. That's right. Yeah. Um. And but at the same time that that is sort of you hear in voiceover pretty early on. Yeah, like she's like, I hate this bitch. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. We we also see the daughter Tammy get uh, like she there's like a home invasion aspect where this guy who's an escaped convict finds her or or breaks into her house and takes her sort of hostage yes briefly so like it's the synopsis of this of this film is like this uh, jaded teenager moves to the suburbs with her dad and her new mom Mm mm-hmm uh, she fucking hates it. Her mom hates her. Mm-hmm. Stepmom hates her. Uh, one day, an escaped criminal mm-hmm. breaks into their home, and they have a romance. They fall in they, love. They, they fall in love, <laughs> and that continues through the end of the movie. She, yeah, it's sort of that. I, I think it's. It, she realizes like, oh, this guy, this is guy is my ticket out of this awful family setup. Yeah. And along the way, even though they don't get very far mm-hmm. outside of the house, yeah. this was filmed in two locations, basically <laughs> one, of, one of them being the house, the other location uh, late in the film being uh, Disneyland, Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy. It's so awesome. Uh, along the way, uh, she is seduced by a uh, one eyed dyke with an eye patch. <laughs> She like, and then he, her, her lover, uh, is uh, uh, his former cellmate from prison. Also escapes, and he comes in, and they form like a Jules and Jim style thruple. Yeah, uh, with the, this movie is gay as hell. It's very this movie gay. is so fucking gay. Uh, it, <laughs> it it rocks. It's awesome. Yeah, the. <laughs> The like cellmate comes over and they're sitting on the couch and he, I think his name is Troy. He's like, oh, I'm going to just peel this shirt off. And so he does. And then he like reaches over to the other guy. I think his name is Link. Link. Like the, like from Link, the Legend of Zelda. Uh, I was going to say Link Ray. Oh, but sure. Yeah. That, that one. Yeah, yeah. That but one counts. He's like, Troy's like, oh, you should slip your sh- shirt off too. And he's kind of resistant. But then there's like another. they ex- used to fuck in prison. Yeah. He's like, Troy's like, it's oh, explicit. don't you remember the rules? Whoever loses gets fucked in the ass. 
<laughs> yeah, we like, were talking whoa. about that. We're like, like, isn't this like a porno premise where it's like this entire movie really? It feels like it should be a porno. Like every, I mean, there's a lot of sex scenes in it, but it's yeah, like every are. lead up to like someone interacting or whatever. It's like, oh, you guys should be. We should be watching you fuck in the next scene. Like, <laughs> yeah. We kind of do, but it's it's not explicit. We get we get sex scenes in both of these movies, but they are they're really hilarious in terms of like the filmic language because it's just like two nude bodies like sort of sandwiched to get like yeah. laying on top of each other like two slices of bread like no motion like the mormon soaking thing yeah he just sits uh, still you're gonna, dear listener you're gonna have to google that to find out what it is <laughs> I, I don't want to say it on mic no <laughs> um but yeah so like the way this movie plays out is basically like she falls in love with this uh this violent criminal queer-coded guy. Her dad's out of town. Well, very far out of town. He's in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Her stepmother is at a Bible retreat, and she has left behind poisoned Tang and poisoned Tylenol to hopefully <laughs> kill a little Tammy. TNT. Uh, a little TNT. <laughs> uh, to kill Tammy. And uh, in the meantime, while she's home alone, she gets to hang out with uh, her new boyfriend who threatened her with a gun when he first met her uh, and their new friend and uh, they get to kind of do crimes together yeah it's it's a really sleazy like lovely film yeah oh it's great it like there's so much of it that I mentioned it earlier it, it feels like there's I mean you said Jules and Jim and I, I wrote down y tu mama tambien, but <laughs> yeah, not, that's they're all the same kind of, well, I guess Tammy's a little younger than them. Yeah. She's, she's supposed to be kind of like 18 and eight, that's what it said on the movie poster. Yeah. They're <laughs> so, like, let's be clear. Let's be clear. But, uh, they're also it, like, it, it reminded me of like natural born killers, even, yeah. um, even Henry portrait of a serial killer. Sure. Like there is some parts in that movie where they are messing with a camcorder and it's, it's like really dark I mean, and that, nasty. That scene is but way more upsetting. <laughs> it's so upsetting, but, it, but there it is this sort of weird, yeah. And it, of feel there's this, this weird like triangle thing that's happening. That's not entirely the same of what's going on in blonde death, but mm, yeah, but it's this like, yeah, this like decision of, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to shack up with this criminal and cause it's exciting and, I don't want to live this life that my parents wanted me to live. Yeah. Well, there's a very like, uh, anti, I mean, this is an extremely anti-conservative movie, Mm -hmm. like, like all around, like, like throughout this movie, like it's about rejecting a moralistic and religiously conservative ideology, Mm -hmm. which was, uh, a really great bone to chew on after coming from Sledgehammer, which is which is like a fun genre exercise that like mm-hmm. we've already talked about. Uh, but this was more subversive, like, and this is barely uh, in the genre of a horror movie. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's certainly yeah. a shot on video. It, I mean, it is shot on video. Yeah, certainly, yeah. it was certainly shot on video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's filmed with a lot of fucking verve and a lot of fucking humor. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's just a like an almost an angry, violent like 
subversive, just like screed. It's just like paint, like spilt across like a canvas, like mm-hmm. type thing. It's like this is my intention. I'm not going to be very precise with what I'm trying to say, but I'm going to mean what I say, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do it hard and fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like it just really hits it. Um. I, at the beginning of this, I was a little bit worried that this movie was going to get into like some grosser territory. I mean, absolutely. They, they, I feel like they, they toe the line. They kind of reference a couple moments of things that I'm like, oh God, or where are we going with this? And, and then it's just sort of, they don't pick it up, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it's nasty, but it doesn't, it doesn't go, I think, all the way that I think I, I would expect maybe from, something a little bit more exploitative, I guess. Yes. It, it's not as exploitative as I worried it might be. Well, I mean, we don't even see tits in this. We see, we we see the dude showering. We see the top of his bush and we see we his do. ass. We like do. we see the guy naked. Yep. We don't see any women naked. And there's just, there's so much more like, I don't know, independence and like personality and Tammy than like some other characters in that sort of situation that I've seen. Yeah. And and she was such a, a fascinating like character to follow from the beginning. And like, like in, in, in this like um, kind of discussion we're having about like where this movie was going to go and how it was going to frame, like certainly the sexual tensions that are in here and like the objectification of this young girl mm-hmm. in the story, like early on, like you, there's a, a scene where she's spanked in her panties. Yeah. Uh, as she calls by them dad, by her father. Right. Yeah. Uh, in front of her stepmother. And there is a comment she makes about him potentially being aroused by that. Yeah. And like that comes really early on in the film. And I was like, Oh, I just don't want this. Yep. That moment happened. I said, "Uh Oh yeah. All right. We'll see. But thankfully it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't do too much more with that other than it's like, it's a shitty living situation for her. She wants to get out of it. Yeah. And like those more liberated moments for her where she's like realizing that she's without these authoritarian figures in her life. Like when she's alone, like she will smoke cigarettes and listen to punk rock music. Yes. Like like that's all she wants to do. (laughs) Smoke cigarettes all day. Just dance around to MTV, which we never see them actually watching MTV. MTV. (laughs) There's a lot of like, like we've drawn comparisons between, uh, before this recording with this movie in X because of the, uh, well, the accent of the lead actress, Tammy, she sounds mm-hmm. like Mia Goth uh, playing Maxine or Pearl. Yeah. Uh, and also on the TV in this sort of grainy black and white footage is like a televangelist. Yes, exactly. Like, this, but like, it's also like, it seems like he's like a musician of some kind. Yes. But they, it's, it is sort of this, it feels like that televangelist kind of shit. What do they call him? Terry Goon? Pat Goon. Pat, oh, Pat. It's like Which a is Pat not, Boone, right, I'm like, like that's not, that's, that's gotta right. be a Pat Boone joke. Yeah. Yeah. My um, favorite Christian entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's on the TV, like that, the preacher that we see in X, sort of 
the clips that we were watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's throughout the film. It's like a little uh, motif. Yeah, yeah, sort of thing. I I really loved uh, the sound editing in this movie. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah, in places there's uh, a couple of times it made me really uh, LMFAO. <laughs> Uh, there's a point where uh, Tammy gets her skirt ripped off and she's wearing like a sarong and it just kind of unwraps around her but you hear this like (laughs) like (laughs) someone's got like a big sheet of paper right next to the mic yeah exactly (laughs) and uh, the first one of the it might be the first sequence where uh, they they arrive at the house and they're standing on the front lawn and you hear a phone ringing like it's right next to your ear and they're like I think that's our phone. Yeah, right. Like, like they haven't moved in. <laughs> they haven't even moved in yet. Yeah, like no. they're just getting at the house, getting <laughs> to the house for the first time, uh, which is great. I also liked in the uh, moving in sequence, uh, kind of an altercation that set the tone for what this movie was about between Tammy and her stepmother, where her stepmother finds Tammy's diaphragm. And she also finds uh, that the books that Tammy's reading, like she's like, she's reading, she's been reading Harold Robbins and Marcel Proust. Like, <laughs> like when she confronts her with the, uh, the diaphragm, Tammy's like, nice girls. Fuck you. Critical cunt. F U C K. Fuck. So She's using the F word. You critical cunt. She just used the C word. <laughs> nice girls do. Now you can too. Nice girls do what? What do you think? I asked you a question, young lady. Don't get smart with me. All right, Clarette. You want to know what they do? Nice girls fuck. They F U C K fuck. Burn, she said the F word. She did, did she? Critical cut. Burn, she said the C word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. And uh, when she's confronted about the books, she says, uh, leave my books alone, you neo-Nazi slut pig, or slop pig, I think she calls her. It was hard for me to tell. I was like, oh, wow, this movie is uh, popping off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. I mean, I don't even know. I, I like again, like this this shot on video genre. Like, it's it's a very vibes genre. This feels like a very punk yeah. movie in a way. Yeah, and it's very angry at like conservative, like we were talking about, like uh, social religious structures specifically. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how did how did you feel about this overall in terms of what I was trying to say? Oh, I I mean I loved it. It was so off the wall and but but a very you know not not it's not an unfamiliar story. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of movies that kind of take the, you know, Stockholm syndrome kind of stuff can tend to be seedy. And, uh, I mean, which this is kind of seedy, uh, but it's fun. Cause it is sort of this, they did it in a way that it wasn't, you know, uh, too gross, I guess it, I mean, it's, you know, she's been kidnapped and she suddenly is kind of like, Oh, I'm, I'm attracted to you. I, 
I yeah. want you. And he hadn't like even, I mean, he'd threatened well, her with a love, gun, that's, but that's an extremely John Waters thing. To yeah. Do. Yeah. Like two like really violent maniacs, you know, yeah. falling in love with each other and then going and killing the rest of the, the people in the suburban neighborhood that are, just so square everybody's a square i mean that's exactly like like the uh the multiple maniacs the movie multiple maniacs yeah, that yeah that john waters made like that movie is about killing squares mm-hmm. which means white straight people straight people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is uh fucking wild that that movie is so good <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah uh yeah, and and this movie really dips into that. Just Divine is not here. Like Tammy yeah. would be like played by Divine. Yeah, if, if this was John Waters at the helm. Yeah, and then the like the mother, uh, I think her. I'm gonna get it wrong. Clorette. Clorette. I think that's right. Um, which sounds like a product. Yeah, like, there's a lot of product names. Yeah. throughout this movie, she. She's just so she feels like a sixties housewife, maybe seventies, but she's got this like really bright mustard yellow dress on and these like sort of mod kind of necklace and her hair is like done up in a way. And she's just so, she feels like somebody that would be in a John Waters movie. Yeah. And, um, 100%. it's hard yeah. to escape the orbit of that comparison. Once I, you like yeah. key into it. It's, I mean, especially because the humor is just so weird and offbeat. There's a moment where it's, Link is describing some incident where a friend of his tried to hotwire an Oscar Wiener, Oscar Meyer Wiener mobile, <laughs> and then it like blew yeah, up or perfect. something. I like, I'm like, what in the hell? <laughs> There's even a moment where like the uh, the newscast newscaster is talking about. Uh, him having broken out of prison and they describe him as virile and and extremely good in bed. (laughs) (laughs) Was that the, cause there was, there was another newscast where Troy had gotten out and you overhear them on the, on the TV saying that he escaped by what is What did they say? They look gutting, uh, uh, an orderly he just, and then donning her like putting on her clothing and sneaking out and he just points at the TV he's like lies <laughs> <laughs> so funny uh, there's also a, uh, a a great line in here where he says uh, I, I think she might say that she loves him and his response is uh the last girl that said that to me had her head knocked off when she stood up at the top of a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, I, uh, yeah, this movie's got fucking jokes, man. It's so weird. I mean, even the, um, like all of the sort of brand name sort of mentions are like, they're drinking Budweiser and we see a Baskin and Robbins yeah. cup. That's and like, yeah. The pointing use towards of, the camera at all times. Yeah, the label. yeah. And the use of um, Tylenol and Tang is so funny to me. I mean, I'm there, also like... It's like wait, an anti-corporate message that is in here a yeah. little bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I like. So I'm a little confused of like... the So both the Tang 
and the Tylenol. The Tang was poisoned and the Tylenol also was? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the stepmother is trying to kill her with cyanide in the Tang mm-hmm. and the Tylenol mm-hmm. while she's at her religious retreat, supposedly. Right. She's actually cheating on her husband while he's in Saudi Arabia. That's right. And then the one-eyed dyke ends up taking one of the Tylenol. And drink, I think, and oh, following she, she it with Tang. Okay. Which, because I think there was a note with the poison to the stepmom that was like, here you go, poison tang and poison Tylenol. If yep. one doesn't work, the, the both of them will do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, anticipating that Tammy drinks a lot of tang and that she probably also gets, like, headaches or maybe she gets, like, She's got cigarette, cigarette headaches and yeah. punk rock headaches from dancing around in, as she says, her t-shirt and panties. <laughs> she, the, she gets, all the MTV is giving her a headache. I need to take my Tylenol with some Tang. <laughs> but I, I did also bring this up before we started recording our discussion. But the, uh, the, the Tylenol, the what was it? Tampering scandal that happened in Chicago was in 1982, a couple years before this movie came out. And there were also, like, I think, seven people died from that. Jesus. It was the reason that they started putting a tamper seal on on products like that, so you would be able to tell if someone had opened it. Um, but there were lots of copycat cases of that afterwards. There was mm-hmm. a couple of cases in Washington State. There was some stuff in California. Um, just people fucking lacing these drugs with poisons for who knows some of them seemed like they were more targeted of like oh one or two people they they were going after them but mm-hmm. this thing in chicago was just sort of they got distributed and they still don't know who did it That's but so it's just such an interesting like scary cultural yeah <laughs> like but such a weird cultural moment too for them to include in that which also feels very like something that john waters exactly. would do it's I just, just like gonna say, he's gonna fixate to like this. like like Fucking what's that movie? Um, Cecil B. Demented. Exactly. Like, That's I was going to say. Patty Hearst like story. Him like reabsorbing or absorbing the Patty Hearst story mm-hmm. as like a farce. Yeah. Like as yeah. a comedy. Mm-hmm. And like that's what this movie is doing. Yeah. <laughs> like like really explicitly. Like this is a queer crime movie romp yeah like and yeah. that's what he makes that's mm-hmm. exactly what he makes mm-hmm. all right uh so let's let's get into to some final thoughts here uh gigantic thumbs up absolutely this I was so good was incredibly surprised with how much i enjoyed this yeah the first I was not prepared like a couple minutes in i was sort of like oh boy and you know had a, a couple of uh-ohs what are we getting into and then oh man so f- just unexpectedly funny and weird like i don't even know how to describe some of the humor it's just like some of the stuff that they'll reference or just the way that they'll say it and when they when they decide to say these things, it's like, what the fuck? It's, it's so goofy. Um, it's, but it, it's yeah. so overtly like satirical throughout yeah. it. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm still doing some research on the, the writer director of this one, uh, James Robert Baker, who unfortunately passed away too young. Uh, he had a hard time, getting some of his work made and uh yeah 
He died at 50. And uh, I wish we had uh, a world where his work was more well-received yeah. early on in his life because yeah. he had a lot to offer. Yeah. Yeah. This was, I, like I said, this was such a surprise to me, yeah. this movie. I mean, it's shit like this. I mean, the whole shot on video movement, you know, we wouldn't have the Blair Witch Project. We sure. wouldn't have a bunch of these... I mean, like, I feel like found footage even sort of could be like something that cheap filming technology that you have just like these everyday people. Yeah. 16 millimeter or whether it's digital. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have these tapes of people recording just mundane stuff that maybe looked at later. You realize like, oh shit, there's something there or yeah. Even something we've talked about covering like the, in the social media era, like, uh, like Marble Hornets mm-hmm. is something I find to be phenomenally scary. Yeah. And oh like, yeah. The only way to consume that in its proper format is by watching like a playlist on YouTube <laughs> or by reading like, forum posts about it. Right. Like, yeah. It's, it's like 80 to 90 videos on YouTube in a playlist that are like, like one, 30 seconds, 30, long, 30 seconds to like eight minutes long. Yeah. Like that type of thing over yeah. and over again. Um, but yeah, uh, I, if if you have a tolerance for shot on video films, like, yeah, definitely check this out. Yeah. It's source it. It's sleazy and it's fun and campy and clever and it's gay as hell. Yeah. It's really, oh, I love it. It just, I like there, the, especially this one, there's something about this like home video kind of feel that does it sort of feels like like we're pulling a curtain back and like seeing some stuff that we're not meant to see because it has that sort of personal home video kind of quality well, and to even, it. And even this movie is bookended by our our lead character Tammy like giving a diaristic confession into a uh, into a tape recorder. Yeah. Like yeah. And, and that feel like like that really sets the tone for what you see in this format. Like I thought that was so smart because it feels more like you're uh, like a cinema verite like mm-hmm, type thing mm-hmm. or whatever. Like it, like you're embedded with these characters because of the technology that's being used. And yeah. like that is really like uh brought up in the opening image of the movie. Like she's like this is confessional. Like, mm-hmm. this is what happened. I want you to hear what happened here because I don't want someone else to tell my story. Yeah. Like, right up front. I mean, that's, I feel like that too is like, that is what is essentially behind like these, like your own personal, like handheld cameras. It's like, people want to document themselves, their lives, their experiences. They want to be They want to be understood. They make a mark. They want to like put something out there. It's like, Hey, this was me. I did this. I was here. I was fucking here. (laughs) Yeah. And you don't want to be, you don't want your story or your experience to be subsumed by, in this case, a bunch of authoritarian fucking fascists. Yeah. Yeah. This is an anti-fascist movie. I will say it now. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. This is a, uh, it, it, I think, like I told you earlier, like it's hard to rate, uh, give like, do my, when I do my letterbox rating, yeah, it's, absolutely. it's hard to give something a star rating, especially when it's, uh, 
shot on video because I try to like get outside of that mindset where it's like, oh, is this is this valid cinema? Yeah, is this totally. Am I? Is the sound editing right? Is the cinematography there? Yeah. Is, are the performances there? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a five out of five. Yeah. This is a perfect movie. It's like <laughs> it's conveying an idea and a story, and they, they it it was a, it got across to me, and I I got that and. Yeah, you don't always need incredible Oscar-worthy performances. Like, no. you just need someone to say a line. <laughs> it doesn't which, matter. Which it, it like that's why I, I also why I like really liked watching this compared to Sledgehammer, mm-hmm. where like Sledgehammer is is great because it's uh, it, for the reasons we talked about earlier, but also Sledgehammer is like a genre exercise. Where someone's trying to like fulfill that, yeah, they're to, they, yeah, they're they're trying to give you the audience what you want. They want mm-hmm. to reach out to you directly, or, or as directly as they can by putting out like uh, a home video release and not bothering with the uh, theatrical release like system. Uh, and this movie is more like this is what's going in on inside of my brain right now. Yeah. And if I don't get yeah. it out, my head is going to explode. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> Quick, turn that fucking camera on right now. We're doing this right now. We're going, go. I'm going to fucking die if I don't make this movie. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, we've hardly even talked about the, the fact that there's a scene at Disneyland in this. Movie. Oh yeah. Um, they, the then, only other time they're outside of the main, house where they are as they go to Disneyland to like rob somebody. Yeah. It's, it's a little vague. I, I had a hard time hearing some of the dialogue because unfortunately exactly. that's it's, a constraint. Ooh, the audio is not video. the best quality. No, I, yeah. I was terrified. I had my TV turned up to like 90 out of a hundred. Uh, like, like we usually are like, like if we're having a hard time hearing dialogue on our TV and we turn it up to 60, we're like, whoa, whoa, like, whoa, 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 take it easy. Yep, like one yep. of us is going to be sitting there with his fingers in his ears. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, it's so I was a little confused by it. But, but they did sort of do the guerrilla filmmaking thing. Yeah, they, they clearly paid for tickets to go to Disneyland. Yeah. And they're just at Disneyland filming their movie. It's so great. They rob someone. It, yeah, <laughs> they like it. Like I kind of said when we were talking about Sledgehammer, this it like this for me like really felt like like really felt like a home video of just like I my family has videos of us we used to go to disneyland as like kids and like it's just so it's also just so cool how how portable these cameras are where like i mean it's also the thing that people were doing they it was not a big deal for them to go in there with their camera and film themselves having these and they're just like conversations it's not anything wild but yeah. yeah, they're not like firing a. They're not like yeah. pulling out a fake gun, yeah. and shooting it up like, at Disney. Even though there is that scene where they are on the beach and she pulls the gun out, even the way she's holding it, you can kind of tell that she's like probably trying to like shield yes. it from the rest of the people on the yes. beach. Yeah, there is a scene where she uh, yeah attempts suicide, and uh, if you can believe it, it ends with a joke. It's uh, a it's funny scene. F- one of the funniest <laughs> fucking scenes. Oh my god! It's, it's maybe the funniest. Oh, bit visual in, in the movie. Visual I know gag. that I'm sounds like, 
fucking horrible to hear yeah a scene where someone like like in like a a neorealist like italian film like they they go to the ocean to like accept the inevitability of yeah. eternity and like mm-hmm. uh, blow their brains out. Yeah. Uh, but it ends with a joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Oh, man, I am so fucking happy that I mean, me we too. Cause I picked these two. You did. And I was a little worried about blonde death after I had sort of seen that it was like a, it was listed as like a comedy mystery. And I was like, wait, what? You rarely see those two words together. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Just it was. Extremely, <laughs> yes, extremely that. And very. Maybe, maybe not mystery so much. Uh, yeah, not really. It was thriller, I guess. But so pleasantly surprised that this was this much fucking fun. Yeah. The, the only other thing I want to bring up is that, uh, cops show up at the house at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, maybe this isn't the cops scene, but she does have a line where she says, "I've got the runs, and it's all over the place." Like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh. I just had that in my notes. I was just happy I could uh, understand the dialogue enough to get yeah. one of the jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh. The only last thought I have here is that Sarah Lee Wade is the name of the actress that plays Tammy's Tammy's. <laughs> she plays the one Tammy. She doesn't play all Tammy's. Sarah Lee Wade, who played Tammy, also appeared in a TV show called Sledgehammer. Huh. A little bit of serendipity there. That's funny. I've never heard of that TV show. I, I don't think anyone has. Uh, sledgehammer is also spelled as two words. Oh, interesting. With an exclamation point. So it's sledgehammer. Ah. <laughs> okay. Well, cool. Uh, well, are you down for... I, I think that's it. Let's, let's do the end of episode stuff here. Oh, baby. You know that sound when you hear the oh, baby. It's the end of the episode, everybody. That's my uh, Wolfman Jack. <laughs> Hello, everybody out there in hey, Radio Land. Yeah. It's Wolfman Jack. Welcome back. My throat hurts so bad. <laughs> <laughs> you need a vocal coach to show you how to show you how to do <laughs> that without uh, <laughs> I'm in any, shredding your Imagine vocal me cords. being in a screamo band like, Let's go. No, I really have to stop doing that. (laughs) Uh, So I am picking the movie for next week. And I'm going to pick one that uh, I tried to make you watch once. Uh, This next week's movie is series seven. Or the full title, I believe, is. Series seven colon the contenders. The word colon is not in there. It's it's the uh I don't know, what do you call that? The symbol, the grammatical symbol. Yeah, the uh <laughs> Series Seven, the Contenders. Uh this is one that uh was I believe produced in uh Britain and I saw this back in middle school and fucking loved it awesome so 
if you like movies or series about uh, being forced to play a game, and if you lose the game, you die. Huh. Hmm. You're going to like this one. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just think this is such a, a, a fun found footage movie that is so underappreciated in the genre. It's it's a found footage. Shot I think on video? it qualifies as found cool. footage, like because it's all like it it's edited like a TV show, like okay. Ghost Watch, right, 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 or something like that. Oh. Actually, this would make a good pairing with Ghost Watch. I was gonna say you only want to do one, or do you want to do? Do you want to do, do two? two? I mean, I think we're gonna get a lot of meat okay. off well, the let's, bone. Yeah, there. let's let let let's uh, let's we'll spread talk. out our yeah. double features. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah, if we if we audible to another movie. Uh, we will uh, not be able to let you know because we would have to release an entire other episode and you will find out when you see the title of our next episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Series 7, The Contenders, I really, really recommend uh, seeking this one out. And uh, it, funnily enough, has a shocking appearance from Will Arnett <laughs> not what I was expecting you to say. You were nodding. I was like, "What is? What does Ralph think me think I'm about to say?" Uh, yeah, Will Arnett uh, suddenly shows up in this movie. It's uh, it might give you whiplash. That's funny. Well, before you said the word shocking, I was like, "Oh, you're gonna bring up the woman on the cover who oh. was at the bottom of the well in the Silence of the Lambs." That's I right. I cannot remember her name. I know it's on the back. It's like uh, something Burke. Well, you looked that up. Who played the senator's daughter who's trapped in the bottom of the well. She's the one who's supposed to be putting lotion all over the place or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it looks like she's getting her revenge. Yeah. This is her lotion gun Mm -hmm. on the cover. I'm waving. (laughs) I mean, if you can't hear it, I'm waving the DVD around. Uh, Wave it a little louder. You can hear the disc spinning around (laughs) well see this is what i should have done when i tried to get you to watch this last year because we went out to a cabin with our friend scott oh yeah and i brought this movie out like day like we all bring our physical media with Mm -hmm. us when we go out there our tapes our blu-rays our 4ks dvds and i was like i'm so excited to show you guys series seven the contenders and i opened up the case and the dvd wasn't in there because i had left it in, in my your- player at home. <laughs> so now I'm going to on mic force you to uh, discuss it. Oh yeah. Great. Hell yeah. Well, uh, thank, thank you. Ralph. Thank you. Uh, and thank you everybody for listening. Uh, please subscribe. Uh, you don't have to like and subscribe. So that's, I mean, the yeah. least you can do is subscribe. You piece of shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. (laughs) Uh, And if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at the room cast on Twitter. It's not called X. Saw X is not also called saw X. It's called saw Twitter. (laughs) Uh, You can also email us at screaming room pod at gmail.com screaming room pod at gmail.com. All right. I'm done. Are you done? Yeah, let's uh, hit that music.